G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, it is the time of year when we like to talk about writing and more specifically Christians who have an aspiration to write. Now, it won't be long and the awards season for Christian writing will be upon us. And also, something special coming up, the Omega Writers Book Fair is on in southeast Queensland, on again inspiring and equipping Christian writers to publish their work and share insights and stories that can help change the world. Well, one of those names we associate with Omega Writers is Anne Hamilton, who is the author of over 30 books, ranging from children's picture books to highly awarded young adult fantasy and prize-winning devotional theology, and is about to lead some workshops in what she calls The Deadly Duo, How Writers Deal with Disappointment and Rejection. Anne Hamilton, a special welcome along to 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's a privilege to be back here again. Lovely. Now, when the book fair is on, you're going to be leading some seminars and dealing with these issues, disappointment and rejection. So if you're a Christian and you've got an aspiration to write a book, there's one sitting in there somewhere and it's got to come out somehow, but there's a lot of practicalities and there's a lot of challenges. Disappointment and rejection, Anne. This is part of a normal writer's life. What are your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that part of normal life, in fact, but in writing life, that's one of the big things that you have to deal with because particularly if you're looking for a publisher um, outside there in the real world, the whole thing of rejection is just such a big issue because... Until you until you deal with that, you'll you'll find that that you know very first time that somebody says to you, well, it's not quite what we want. Lovely writing, but you know we'd like all this and this and this and this changes, or or simply that very small pink slips that they used to give us. You know, this is just not what we require. That's the sort of thing that the heart has to actually overcome, and so that's the kind of thing that I'm looking at. Um, things that don't just apply to writing but to the whole of life. It's about dealing with those moments when you really put yourself out there and somebody comes back at you and says, nah. So you've got to be in some ways here prepared for what's coming. So if you have this aspiration to write, and as you say, principles that apply to day-to-day life because so often we'll have a good idea or a good initiative but one little knockback and we put it on the back burner we shelve that idea so dealing with the disappointment dealing with the rejection that's all a part of what you've got to deal with uh, unless you're happy to be self-sabotaged in some way oh exactly right um that's 
you know, really well put, actually, Neil. You know, the whole idea of self-sabotage is something that, as an editor, I see all the time. You know, when you're submitting to a publishing company, uh, when you, in, in fact, um, not just, this is not just about publishing, but this is just about applying for a job. So many people make a mistake on the first page, often in the first line, and that so much puts uh, you on the back foot. That self-sabotaging thing is, is something that I talk about to so many people and say, look, this is something that you have to guard against because it's actually a spiritual issue. It's not simply something that you, you look at and you go, let, let me get um, somebody else to read this to make sure I haven't made a mistake in the first line because I've done it myself so often I've read over something a dozen times. I've got other people to, to look at it. And yet I'll change something at the very last moment and suddenly I've got a mistake there. And this is a spiritual issue, not just simply um, one that sort of occurs because it occurs. And you say that for most writers, the way you actually, you know, writing the novel is easy uh, compared to the insurmountable task of marketing and promoting it. So you've got to be preparing yourself all along the way, not only for having the confidence to know that what you've written is going to be good, but also uh, for the journey forward. Absolutely. I couldn't... <laughs> you're, you're, you're actually saying all the things that I need to say, Neil. That The marketing is such a huge deal. If I had known to start with, how much marketing has to be done, I probably wouldn't have started on the journey. So I'm glad the Lord didn't tell me that marketing is almost a full-time job. It's something that you have to do every single day and you have to be persistent and faithful to do it because every, every minute half a dozen books are being produced and people are jumping up and down and saying, hey, look at my book, you know, it's the greatest, it's the newest, it's the most fabulous. And to penetrate that noise, you have to have such a good marketing plan. And, you know, a big company will be able to uh, put a lot of money into that, but they'll only put money into it if you're a really big name. And so... To get a book out there that the Lord's put on your heart, you've actually got to give people taste after taste after taste of what you're saying and suddenly they'll go, oh, I really need your book because I've read little snippets of what you're saying and I realize that there's something here that is speaking to my heart the whole time and now I know I need to actually put it all together, read more and to get my life on right, right back on track. So Anne, to be able to overcome this deadly duo, uh, disappointment and rejection, you suggest that you need a plan. Uh, give us a little bit of practical insight into how that plan is going to help you overcome and see it through to completion, your project. Okay, my, my plan is always to say to people, what is the first thing that you do when you are disappointed? Right? Yeah. And what you should do is go straight to God. 
But the reality is that most people have what I call a false refuge. Now, for me, I found that what I did was I would go to a cup of coffee and I would sit and brood with this cup of coffee and I would wait until the disappointment faded and then I would have a talk to God about trying again. And God had to really, you know, confront me with my behavior and say to me, you don't come to me first. You come to me last. You spend a great deal of time waiting till that disappointment fades and then you come to me and you ask how to start again. And so my plan is always to say to people, analyze your own behavior. Look at what you do first and foremost when you're disappointed with God, when you've received a rejection. What do you do and where do you go to? And that kind of false refuge, you know, more people in the world have said to me that actually discovering what their false refuge is and repenting of it and renouncing it has changed their life. You know, a tremendous number of people have said that this is something that we habitually do and we don't realize it. Uh, And so I always say that's the first step in the plan And really after that is just simply that constant getting back to God and listening to him and saying, I'm choosing you first, which, you know, seems like a really simple thing, but we have to actually look at our own behavior and suddenly realize, you know, there's a reason why we get disappointed. There's a reason why we react with rejection. What is our behavior and what are we actually doing in this regard? There's another number of other things, but I always think that's the most important step, the recognition of what we actually do rather than choose God as our first and foremost refuge. And you are sharing absolutely profound wisdom here because right from the get-go, right from the idea of, I think I'd like to write a book, there's a difference between what is a Christian book and one that's just a self-centered authorship and you're identifying that it's where you find your refuge this idea of finding your refuge in god uh, Mm. rather than in your self-centeredness this is a powerful motivation and this is a powerful thing that actually inspires us to write absolutely absolutely that uh, to me there's all sorts of subtle things that we do you know our false refuges can sometimes be obviously sinful if we're getting smashed on alcohol if we're doing drugs you know if we're doing all these sorts of things we know something's wrong but for so many of us our false refuges are the good gifts of god that have displaced god as our first and foremost thing when we are disappointed. And that's one of the hardest things to recognize because we actually excuse ourselves by saying, you know, hey, listen, I'm not doing drugs. I'm not getting smashed on alcohol. I'm not secretly going to a porn thing. What I'm doing is just simply, you know, having half a bar of chocolate. It makes me feel better. And I expect your seminar, your workshop at the Amiga Writers Book Fair coming up 
31st of July, I think it's going to be full. And I hope it's full because the sort of wisdom you're sharing here is not something you think of when you are just contemplating writing a book, distilling that knowledge that you might have or letting your imagination run wild and writing that novel. But you're talking about the real wisdom of what makes a Christian book truly a Christian book and what is going to be the imprimatur that God might put on the finished product. Very powerful things that you're sharing. And I know that you're going to be a part of a number of different workshops and there's some panels that cover all sorts of dimensions like marketing and promotion for writers. So just quickly, this Amiga Writers Book Fair, it really is the opportunity to get that launch pad if you're intending to write a Christian book. Exactly. Um, You know, so many people sort of just think God's behind it and therefore it's going to happen. You know, however, they don't realize, as you yourself mentioned, that sometimes we are the ones that self-sabotage. So although God's behind it and God wants us to do it and God has his hand on it, Sometimes once the product is there, once we've, we, you know, we've got it ready, we actually do self-sabotage it. Um, and so you know, this is the sort of thing that we've actually got to become conscious of what our deep and most, and most belief about God is, whether we really do trust him and whether we trust him through various disappointments as well. And the Omega Writers Book Fair is on in Brisbane, and there's a website, omegawriters.org. Uh, is it possible here for listeners all around Australia to connect with Omega Writers? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, you can connect through the website. You can look on Facebook and find Omega Writers Book Fair 2021. Uh, so there's various different ways that you can connect with um, the organisers. Um, you know, just sort of Google it and you'll find it. Okay. OmegaWriters.org. Uh, the Omega Writers Book Fair coming up the 31st of July this year. You'll be able to get the details at OmegaWriters.org. Anne Hamilton, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.